0: From one islander to another, Isle of Wight Radio proudly presents John Hannam Meets.
1: The wonderful Jimmy Tarbuck. Nice to
2: see and you good again. to see you, John. You're on youth pills, I think. You look great. Good on you. Do I? I think it's the Isle of Wight does. I think <laughs> it does to everybody. You know what I love over there? Everyone's so polite, friendly. It's a nice place to go, <laughs> <laughs> and I must say we're at your uh, golf club. Yeah, good to have you here, Coombe Hill. Coombe Hill Golf Club, where I've played for I've played for fifty years here now, and still enjoy it.
1: We've known each other mm-hmm. since Mister Tavon, nineteen seventy nine, when you first came to do your summer season.
2: I think it was then, but my sister had told me about you. And, <laughs> and my father said, you have nothing to do with him. Yeah, I think it was that. And uh, we had a lot of fun down there. I, I rented a house. I had one house on the cliffs that was the Lord Mayor of somewhere. but Because he was mayor, he couldn't use his house that summer. And we lived on top. And there was a little five houses down below a hamlet, I suppose you'd call it, and uh, the fishermen were in there, and I got the best lobsters and the cheapest lobsters in my life. I suppose you'd be one in a couple of these, would you? (laughs) My children were brought up thinking lobster was an everyday treat. Hasn't comedy changed in our lifetime? Oh, dear, dear. Totally. Some very funny boys about. Of course there are. Peter Kay. He's funny. He's he's good in character parts, as well as the spoken word. John Bishop, he's swearing a bit too much, and I don't think he should because he's he's a funny guy. Macca, he's bouncing all over the stage. Yes. But he's got a wonderful personality.
1: Do you know what, Jimmy? I watched the Palladium show, and there's a few young comics And one or two, they come on, and they're as bright and breezy as you were all those years ago. I think it's terrific.
2: Oh, yes. I think,
1: God, that reminds me of Tarby.
2: (laughs) Well, of course, that's the energy of youth and the excitement of it all. And, of course, in all my shows there, bar one, they were live. And that's a word, John, when you put any performer... Singer, dancer, actor, comic. It's live. You can't go, uh, stop that, I'll do that again. Now I hit a bum note there. Just replay that bit. You can't do it. It's warts and all. And it's good for the old jam tart. <laughs> and it's very good for the bottle, as they say.
1: When I used to watch you live at the play, Jim, and uh, I used to think... What were you thinking? Because, uh, you know, you've got to remember all those gags.
2: And I know you sometimes didn't get them till probably the afternoon, did you? Well, you know, a dear, dear late friend of ours, Wally. Yes. I mean, he'd write some in the dressing room. The the door would knock. Half an hour, sir. Hang on, Jim, I've got this one. You go, OK, Wally, let's have it. And you go, you know, whatever it was. Mrs. Thatcher said to Gorbachev. And you think, get your lips and that round that. Don't go on and say, Miss Klaxi said to Gorbachev, because they at home say, what did he say? And that's w- where one of my um, tricks, if you want, with Frankie Howard, you can see their tricks. It's, oh, don't. No, listen. Listen. Verily thee, and um, verily not. Titter thee not. That's him thinking. Right. Doddy, it's by Jove. What a <laughs> wonderful day. Here we are, Mrs. O. And he's getting it all ready for bang killing them. You know, Tommy Cooper well Tom would tell the same gag twice and he'd get out of about it, someone shouted you've told that go, oh, yes I was just testing <laughs> and you, you, you'd, you'd cry with laughter Morcombe and Wise of course that's when two of you on the stage bouncing off each other what a job they did I mean he would be termed in, in my book Eric Morcombe as a comedic genius Eric Sykes comedic genius Tommy Cooper, just funny bones. You see, there's two types of comedy, John. There's men who say funny things, and there are funny men. He was that. Bob Monkhouse, he said funny things. I'm trying to give you the difference. And Doddy, of course, he could always fall fall back on a lovely voice. As could Harry Seacombe. He was like your lovable big uncle. And that's the difference with the comics of my era and today, I don't know if some of these lads had the apprenticeship that I had working with those and learning from them. And learning from people like Spike Milligan, who was on the moon, and sometimes off the moon. <laughs> you know. Then you got Harry came on, who do two raspberries, <laughs> oh, by Jove, you know, you know, and Doddy uh, and that, they all go about it a different way. Dickie Henderson, I learned from him, Frankie Vaughan just watching them every night, their artistry and their total professionalism. It was fascinating. For my 25th wedding anniversary, my late wife
1: now, sadly, but we came up to the podium for the day at Wally's Invitation, right? Yes. And we met you in the dressing room, had a quick chat. And it was the night, Jimmy, that Sunita was one of the guests. Tom Jones was on and Mark Walker and Joe Longthorne. But Sinita was nearly wearing a very short dress. Do you remember that? Nearly wearing it.
2: I I think the guys on the front row are still getting over their heart failure. She was a beautiful looking girl. And uh, that's when I I came on to Tom, if you remember, with a glass of champagne. Yes, I remember it well. And uh, he, uh, I said cheers. And he'd been sick with a nodule on his throat. I said, on behalf of all of us, we're pleased you're feeling better. Well, he says, thank God, and so am I. And then I went into him, I said, <laughs> It was a vasectomy, wasn't it? <laughs> well, he couldn't move. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was the day when you were in the dressing room ready for the show. Felix Boness was the warm-up comic. Oh, yes. And he got me stood up on the front row of the balcony, and he was
2: teasing me and had a bit of fun, you know. Good. So, great. He was day. good, Felix. He, he was great to go on there and warm them up. And he was a funny guy in his own right, in Heidi uh, High, High, and... Occasionally popped on Dad's army and things.
1: Put that light out.
2: I'm trying
0: to relax and listen to John Hannam.
1: I want to talk to you about John Lennon. You went to school with him, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yes, what I did. What was he like
2: then, Jim? What was he like? Well, he was a great one. He had a way with words, even in those days. He would change um, words round. He was often very late, and we had a headmaster called Pop Evans. And he was coming down the corridor one day, and John came up the door. He went, Lennon? Yes, sir. He said, It's 20 past nine. He said, Well, you're late, aren't you, sir? (laughs) Well, that went round the school, and he became a bit of a hero. And then uh, sat in with him at a history lesson, because the houses at the school were called Nelson, Raleigh, Drake, and Wolfe, all historical figures military wise in our history and anyway got us together and this teacher said drake he said he circumnavigated the world he said in so many days in a cutter and so lennon was paying a lennon yes sir what do you know about drake he said he circumcised the world in a cutter (laughs) well the whole (laughs) class just roared (laughs) and even the teacher roared at that (laughs) He, he, he was there, but people said, did, did you know he was a genius? Of course not. You know, he was a kid. We were all growing up together. And there was the famous photograph that uh, Harry Bolt took. Harry Bolt was a teacher that went everywhere. It was when we were all on holiday in the Isle of Man. And um, there it was, John Lennon, myself, a guy called Jimmy Blaine, played many years for Exeter football, played at Everton that, and that, and a few others. And then I saw him in later life, and I remember going to a Beatle concert at the Apollo Hammersmith. John, I can't tell you and the listeners, you never heard noise like it. (laughs) This wall of girls screaming, and girls of all ages, and even some of their mums, screaming their heads off. And they were doing, if there's anything that you want. He, he, He just moved his lips, and I was stood in the wings as close as you are here, Watching, and he went to me. What's the point?
1: Those days, sort of two people were classed as the fifth beetle sometimes. You were one of them. Yeah. <laughs> and Georgie Best was the other one. Well, yes,
2: you can see the association. Uh, <laughs> me, because of the Liverpool thing, and George. We all had the same haircut. It's a great haircut to have. You pulled it forward, and all, oh, sorry about haircuts. And uh, <laughs> we did all that. And People never get to say who influenced the Beatles. No doubt about it. There were a group in Liverpool, a good group. Then they went to Hamburg and they were playing five sets a night, but the same ten songs. And little Richard was in Hamburg and they saw him. And there's no doubt about it with me, that's where Paul got the woo and all that when he, I mean, they always did Long Tall Sally as a tribute to Richard. Who, if you never saw him, was the greatest rock and roll performer I've ever seen. Bar none. Forgetting the audience. Rip it up. Long tall Sally. You know, he was he was just unbelievable. Well, it's Saturday night, and I just go pay. Then good golly, Miss Molly would make the hairs on your neck stand on end. He had a great band. He was wonderful. And he influenced the Everly brothers, the harmonies, certainly influenced them. But the writing, of course was all their own I mean you look and you think there's two lads there well three three there who wrote three unbelievable songs on their own Paul McCartney Yesterday along with The Long and Winding Road John Lennon's Imagine and perhaps the best love song came from George Harrison Something What a song to play for your lady Wonderful This, Vass- is, for, this is for you bassy did a brilliant version Oh Superb I've heard that played, and a friend here uh, something at funerals by the husbands when when uh, I don't when to bring memories for yourself up, but just that.
1: Jimmy, when you first came on the Palladium, nineteen sixty-three, um, it was an amazing. You were so fresh, and you became a sensation overnight, didn't you?
2: Well, I'd driven through the night. It was October the twenty-seventh, sixty-three, and. Um, I was on a club in Stockport, and Pauline and I drove uh, through the night, slept in the car, and when you want something desperately, and I wanted to appear on the Palladium, and I thought I'd appear there once and go back to being a good club comic, which I was, around the Manchester and Liverpool and Northwest areas. And I thought, I'll go on once, but I can say when I'm old, yeah, I played the Palladium, and, of course, it didn't work out like that. But when I was on the clubs, I desperately wanted to appear with Bob Hope. Never dreaming I'd appear with him and Crosby and Judy Garland, Rudolf Nureyev and Dame Antoinette Sibley, and then all the other great stars, Bassey, Jones, The Beatles. You just keep going. And I thought, dear Lord, you are a lucky boy. But it's something I wanted desperately I wanted to try to see if I could do it. I wanted to try to see if I could do it all around the world. And I wanted to do it desperately in America, with hope. And he gave me that opportunity.
1: You came to the Isle of Wight Sunday concerts early on in your career for a guy called Don Moody. That's right. And one night, it was a full house, and... You were going on and on and on. And you said, throw me the keys on, I'll lock up. And Don was in the wings and he threw his keys on. Threw the keys on.
2: Brought the house down. Yes, I remember that. (laughs) Then, of course, that first season uh, at the island, it was, if I've got, uh, I don't say this with any ego, but it was 99% capacity for the season. Yes. And it was a joy going to work. Do you know what,
1: Jimmy? There were just as many locals as holidaymakers. The word got around, you've got to go and see Tarby at Sandown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and all the locals went along as well as the holidaymakers. They couldn't always get in.
2: <laughs> well, I, you, you know, I, I, as I've said, I, I'd rent homes in those days. So uh, rent a house here and there when the kids are broken up from school. Oh, what a place for my kids. And twice on the Isle of Wight, We like it here, Dad. And they've been back with their own children, you know, and just we all, all the Tarbucks they say, it's a nice place here. It's nice, isn't it? And it is.
1: I was in Venter one morning fairly early, and I saw you in a bread queue, queuing for bread or rolls, <laughs> and knowing you well, I refrained from shouting out, hello, Jimmy, because I thought you had sunglasses on. Oh, yes. Nobody knew who you were, so I just
2: walked by and <laughs> uh, they're very lucky the, the Isle of White people what do they call them again? Corkheads Corkheads because they eat the best of foods especially out the water you can't get fresher fish than there it's glorious I know
1: one night you said to me I want to take you and your wife out for dinner after a show right so I rang up a place called the Taverners in Godsville, and I said uh, and they said oh sorry sir we close at about 10 I said that's a pity uh, it was Jimmy Tarbutt, and they said Right, sir, we'll open. Oh, <laughs> we'll dear, dear, open. dear, dear. There you go. Did we go? Yes.
2: Oh, great. <laughs> John Hannam, Can't Cook, Won't Cook. But oh, what a sexy voice.
1: Winner takes all.
2: Yeah, a lot of fun that was. Yes. A lot of fun. <laughs> you did a few in a day, didn't you? Oh, dear God. Well, it went on first just up north. Laurie Higgins founded, who was a sports director. I did it, and they just put it on up north. Then they put it on across the board and it got to number one on several occasions when people had gambled the money and were continuing and we had the all-time record at that time which was £23,000 and this guy won it he was out of work and uh, he said to me may I buy the suit I wore Mr. Tarbuck I said no you can't he went oh I am disappointed I said you can have the suit he said have it I said yes I said, for what you've done for this show, people tuning in, let's see how that guy's getting on. I said, you took us to number one. And uh, the director said, you're not in a position to give him the suit. I said, well, as a matter of fact, I am. The suit's yours, pal. Yes. And he left with not only his 23 grand, with a real nice whistle and flute. (laughs) I was very enjoyable. Very enjoyable to do.
1: And, of course, Wally Molston was
2: involved with that show, wasn't he? Yeah, Wall was there. Wall was in lots of things Uh, that I did. Because he was very good at picking a line out. And I could always tell the Wally lines amongst all the script writers, that's one of yours. And he'd giggle. I'd just go, well done. And that.
1: Obviously he grew up on the Isle of Wight and started writing for scout troops. But when he was still a dental mechanic, yes. right, he was writing for Bob Monkhouse And when <laughs> I think Bob was doing some palladiums and Wally would sit there on a Sunday night. <laughs> And Bob paid him a fiver a gag, and he'd say, Well, that's mine, that's mine. I got 30 quid tonight.
2: <laughs> and then eventually he went full time, didn't he? Well, he uh, and then Wally paid me a fiver a gag for telling them. <laughs> <laughs> Tarby's Frame
1: Game, that was another one. Yeah, didn't another it?
2: one we did. I mean, I over the years now with YouTube and that I look at things, and I, go, I don't remember this. <laughs> and you know, you know, you see things. And, of course, who you've worked with, which has been wonderful. People that I absolutely idolised. And I'm very lucky who I've seen live from rock and roll. I said Little Richard, but I've seen Jerry Lee. I've seen the Evs. I've seen Elvis Presley. It was wonderful to see them all, as well as our heroes, the Stones and and, and, and everybody else, uh, Joe Cocker. But the comics I've seen, and in many cases worked with, Comics that mightn't be known over here. Rich Little, wonderful impressionist. Don Rickles, best insult comic I've ever seen. Alan King, wonderful. Bob Hope, hosting a thing with him and thinking, now I'm enjoying this.
1: Did you begin life sweeping up in a lady's
0: hairdresser? Yes, I did. Did
2: you? That was one of my jobs. I worked at a lady's hairdressing <laughs> salon. Hey, don't laugh. No, I let me tell you, it was a great way of meeting girls. But <laughs> yes. I used to lie to them in dance halls and say, yes, I'm a hairdresser at Andre <laughs> Bernard's. Except they'd ring up I'd like my hair done by Mr. Jimmy. <laughs> they said, Well, we haven't got a Mr. Jimmy. <laughs> you don't mean Jimmy the apprentice who sweeps the floors. Yeah, I was found out. You've <laughs> come a long way
1: since then, haven't you? Yes. <laughs>
2: But lots of things have happened to me that that I look back on and I thought, mm, I wish that hadn't happened. I got stopped. Uh, uh, Lynch, he was driving over the top, drunk, and he had a Mini. And this copper stopped the car and he he, he said, Where do you live? And I'm in the front with Lynch, and Lynch said, No fixed abode. He went, oh, and I started laughing. He said, where do you live? I said, above him. <laughs> well, the two of us laughing. we were in the next minute. We we're in a police station. Yes, we got off, actually. <laughs> I'm the, sure you did, Well, yeah. the sergeant was, 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 was fans. The young copper wasn't.
1: <laughs> you still love working, don't you? Yeah,
2: think? I love it. I still love getting up there. And it is a foreman. Believe me, Madonna, anybody, Bassie, Jones, Tarbuck, Des O'Connor. It's a lovely way to show off.
1: You got an OBE in 94, which was... Yes,
2: came right out of the blue. I had uh, no idea that was going to happen, and I was, and always have been eternally grateful because it made my family so proud. The outer circle of the relations, you know, nieces and nephews and uncles and aunts, so very proud. And then uh, I received... uh, I'm an officer of St. John of Jerusalem, which is given by the Queen, and uh, I'm very, very... uh, thrilled and (laughs) Paulie and I went to a very posh dinner at Windsor Castle Uh, it was a huge big charity night that was on and it uh, honors would be worn so you wear your your medals and this bumptious lady said and what is that you've got on then what are you wearing that for I said which one that one there with the red and the cross I said I won the monthly medal at Coombe Hill Golf Club she said, well, you, you can't wear that tonight. I said, well, I'm honoured. And the husband just went to her, come away <laughs> and dragged her away. <laughs> Paulie said, why didn't you say it was the OBA? I said, well, I just thought I'd let her go her <laughs> own way. And I imagine she'll be in, I don't know, Tesco. And saying say, it, he had the bloody monthly medal on from <laughs> Coom Hill Golf Club.
1: <laughs> looking back, just before you go, looking back on a, a fantastic career, any real regrets or not,
2: really? Well, yes, I mean... I can't have any, want anything else. I'd be very greedy. I might have worked a bit harder at it, to be honest, but I was too busy having a good time and playing golf and playing football in guys' charity matches and exhibition games and playing football at Wembley. These are things, because I, I always wanted to do that. But, but the greatest thrill I've had out of it, bar none, John, was walking on the Palladium and hosting it on six series was just an incredible thrill for me because nobody else has done that, not six series. And doing nine royal shows and walking on and doing the 100th one and walking on the stage with Des O'Connor, Ronnie Corbett, Bruce and I all together. and That will never be repeated again. And they should have used the four of us more that night together. But just being walking on with these uh, three other friends who are icons in our, in, our, in our business was a great, great thrill.
1: Yesterday, Bill Wyman. Today,
2: Jimmy Tarbuck. So, Bill Wy- I- Hang on. Bill Wyman's older than me. He is. <laughs> yes. Yes, and me. And he's older than you. Are you sure? <laughs> Thanks, Jimmy. Good luck. Pleasure's mine.
0: It's great, he's got a swell personality He meets and greets the stars with such amenity Good enough to make you coming out of the street John and That's right
1: Pray for thanks as ever to the wonderful Jimmy Tarbuck Jimmy and Des O'Connor have been touring in recent weeks and they have some dates still to come November the 3rd, the Orchard Theatre, Dartford November the 9th the De Montfort Hall Leicester, and the Southampton Mayflower on November the 17th. Talking of Des O'Connor, I interviewed Des a few years ago, and talking of music heroes, one of his music heroes was the legendary Buddy Holly, and Des is now going to relate the story of how they met and toured together. Everyone remembers Des O'Connor was on the Buddy Holly tour. Fantastic, really, isn't it? It was,
0: it was just the most extraordinary thing because I wasn't going to do any more. As I told my agent at the time, I said, these kids are throwing real rocks. I'm not going on any more rock shows. So I said, have you got any bread and butter shows? <laughs> you knew what I meant. I meant just ordinary shows, not rock and roll concerts because the kids didn't want to see the comic. And I almost turned that tour down when he said, this guy, Buddy Holly, I said, I'd never heard of him. And I hadn't. A lot of us hadn't heard of it. But I, I took it and we did 31 shows. All in ra- 33 days? 33 days. So only two days. And I think even then we stayed. We didn't come back into London. We were up in, up north somewhere. We had a day off. <clears throat> and uh, he told like that. He used to say, how are you doing, Dais? I'm all right, birdie. And this kind of giggly little friendship thing built up. It was, I, I feel very privileged because sadly that was the only the only tour he ever did, and he really was we would only the tip of the iceberg. The songs that he could write mm. on a bus. Some of the songs that I know now were written on a bus when I'd. I'd he may have had a tune in his head and a few words, and uh, Norman Petty, his manager, would—they had a like a miniature little um, kind of clavio or whatever it could, the first of the, the little portable organs, and uh, he would play on that, and um, and the crickets would. Make makeshift instruments. Jerry on a cornflake box and Joe on a skiffle bass, and I, I sometimes when I wind that tape back in my head, I can see it and relive it all again and realize that I was there with Buddy Holly and I'm so pleased that it happened. Telling me, yeah. did he actually give you a guitar? I've got the guitar. Well, hey. we, what happened was, obviously on a bus you can't plug in an electric guitar, and he had that very special and and of course they had they had these. Um, Amplifiers, which we'd never seen before, made more noise than the whole of the brass section of the band that was travelling with us. They were just two guys, and it was unbelievable, the noise. And, but he couldn't use an electric guitar on the bus, so he needed a, an acoustic guitar. So I took him into Morris Plaquet Music Shop in Denmark Street in London. And I remember him going, yeah, that's all right, but let me hear another one. I kept on I thought, oh, God, he run out of guitars in this shop. And I, we, I actually counted them, because they were putting them over to the side once he tried them. And it was the 17th guitar that he tried, a, a, a Hofner acoustic. And he said, I love this, God, a real nice sound, I'm going to have this one. And he <laughs> took it and he would play that on the coach. And at the end of the tour, he'd been teaching me a few chords C, F, and G. And I'd been teaching him jokes, which he used to go and crack every night. He'd get bigger, bigger laughs than I ever would because he did them in that fun of kind of voice. <laughs> him doing j- jokes about football and supermarkets was wonderful. So I was privileged. It was a wonderful, wonderful period. Uh, It gave me me a lot of confidence looking back because I broke my barrier with the kids. There's a wonderful story that happened at Hammersmith Sitting on the last night, sitting in his dressing room, which was two floors up. A bit like, um, well, it it doesn't matter, it's a dressing room. And suddenly through the window came a brick. God, Lord, all these kids are outside, hundreds of them screaming out there. And I went over to, luckily, none of the glass hit he or myself and picked up an autograph book on a brick strap. It was an elastic band. It was an autograph book. And on it said, we love you, buddy. <laughs> Cheryl and <laughs> Sharon or somebody. Could have killed him.
1: <laughs> You've been listening to John Hannah Meeks, courtesy of Isle of Wight Radio. Don't forget to look at my website, johnhannam.com, for news of more interviews and how you might purchase my books. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye for now.